Hello and welcome to Super Women, a podcast designed to help you manage your money and to end the gender gap that forces so many women into poverty when they leave work. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Really Simple Money team and MLC, helping Australians plan for a better retirement. MLC is backing our education campaign around women and super. Woo! Woo! In the studio today is the lovely Bernadette Chua. Hello, Rosie. Leading our campaign. Hi, Vern. Hi. Hi. And our campaign director, Mr. Peter Lynch. Hello. Hello. I'm Rosie Jacobs. I'm your host and the Superwoman campaign coordinator. Later, we'll be talking to Lelda Smiths about making money. Definitely can't wait for her tips. Yes, and in fact, if you haven't heard of Lelda, she is a director of the Australian Shareholders Association and a financial wellbeing advocate or guru, I'm going to say. We'll also be hearing the amazing story of a woman called Bahar Etmanen, a divorced mum, a businesswoman and founder of the Rescue website and Rescue Academy. Now, Burn, we launched our campaign a couple of weeks back. Tell us, what's the latest? So just to give you a little bit of an update, we launched our website, superwomen.com.au, and our first podcast. Now, the results have been pretty spectacular. We've had support for our campaign from big organisations like Australian Super, mm. Telstra, Industry Super Funds, and KPMG, not to name drop or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and we've had hundreds of supporters, ordinary members of the public, sign up to send their local MPs and the Prime Minister and the superannuation minister messages urging them to make a change to the law so women can be paid super during parental leave. Oh, those are some really seriously huge organisations mm. that are supporting us. And now for you guys, our listeners, you can sign up to send ScoMo or Jane Hume a message right now at reallysimplemoney.com.au forward slash superwomen. And that's S-U-P-A-W-O-M-E-N. Just repeat that again. S-U-P-A-W-O-M-E-N. Now, guys, it's really important that you do it right now because a third of women leave work with hardly any savings and women 55 plus are the fastest growing homeless group in Australia. Super worrying. That is so scary. But you're quite right, Burn. Now let's find out how we can use investing to make more money. Here. Now, the pandemic has spawned a new generation of investors, many of them young women. But that's a good thing in my book, providing they do their homework, of course, and that they know how to handle risk. Lelda Smiths is a director of the Australian Shareholders Association, which provides a voice for ordinary investors and, most importantly, helps to educate them. Welcome, Lelda. Hello, Superwoman team. I just wanted to say that it's so fantastic to be here and we absolutely support the campaign that you're currently working on and everything that you're doing. It's so important and uh, we're so excited to to share some more education and inspiration for everyone out there, how to improve and enhance their finances. Oh, I think this is going to be the beginning of a beautiful yeah, I friendship. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your support, Lelda. Now we have to say right at the start that we are not giving out any professional advice and any suggestions here are of a general nature and won't necessarily apply to your circumstances. So if you do need professional advice, you should go out and seek it. That's very well said, Byrne. (laughs) Yes, a very good point to remember. Now, the Aussie Shareholders Association, I've just shortened that, obviously. (laughs) The Australian Shareholders Association helps educate Aussies about investment and has been going on for just about 60 years. So, Lelda, tell us specifically about your work with women. Absolutely. Well, um, as you know, very much based on your campaign that tragically women over the age of 55 are the group at most risk of homelessness in Australia at the moment, mm. which is largely due to poor financial literacy and minimum minimal financial empowerment. Um, so while ASA believes women of all age, ages need to be financially empowered, there really is a growing need to reverse the statistics for the most vulnerable group. Mm. And, you know, it is uh, amazing to see the difference you're making From ASA's perspective, uh, we do provide a significant amount of independent education. We can do that because we're a not-for-profit group. So one of the biggest risks for anyone looking at finances is that 
educational information can often come from people that are trying to sell you something. But when you have a not, and for example, like a product, so their information may be swayed um, because of what they're trying to sell. Um, ASA is educating women independently to uh, take control of their finances and to do so in a way in which is accessible to them. So uh, largely the work they've been doing is through a program called WInvest. This is a free online program made up of a selection of 16 videos online that women can just look at in their own time. And it's actually something I got my mum into. Nice. <laughs> well, I guess the whole thing about it is that you don't necessarily just want women to survive, but to thrive, you know, that mm. you want them to make money. That's exactly right. And I think, um, you know, something that the one of the first video covers, uh, which is why there is this difference between women and men and their financial situations. I and find this very interesting, <laughs> the way that men and women differ I when it comes to money. Yes, go on, Lelda. Because everyone has got their own perspective, but the speaker that is um, part of WInvest that really leads the conversation, she's Felicity Cooper, she's 2019's Financial Planner of the Year. Ooh. And one thing she says that... Writing that a, name down now? Yes. <laughs> a, a great thought leader. And, and she says that if you put a group of men on a golf course, they'll usually talk about money, but women at a coffee or lunch won't talk about money. And they, in fact, she points out that studies have shown 61% of women would prefer to speak about their own death in explicit detail than to yeah. talk about money. Really? Well, I kind of feel like I went to a dinner party on Saturday night, but, you know, all the girls were talking about their partner's investment habits. And it's now like cryptocurrency is mm. the, like, you know, the star sign for boys, basically. That's all they talk about yeah. when all the boys get <laughs> so together. I, I must say. Star signs, I love it. That's the star handbag. sign for boys. The yeah. handbag the issue. Maserati. You're yeah. so right. <laughs> now, actually, Lelda, I really thought you raised a great point there because once we take out the motive uh, for these places that are giving advice and we, you know, start talking to people like you who have the right motive where it's not about a financial gain. We also still have a problem of advice for women is traditionally quite dull and boring. I yes. want to know, like, how how are we giving more financial literacy and empowerment to women in a way that isn't just accessible, but it's really exciting and motivating? I think that's a terrific question. And personally, for me, it's in, the answer is engagement. So what I really enjoy about WInvest is the way Felicity takes everyone through in a very personable, accessible way, like she is almost having a coffee with you at the local cafe saying, you know, this is, here's the deal. This is what happens. Let's take you through um, your personal situation. And there's a notebook that goes along uh, with these topics so you can go through in your own time but I think for for anyone really the the challenge is when you're trying to get better at anything is to find a coach and to find a coach that you think is going to uh, respond to you and lead you in the right direction mm. and as I said the reason I put my mum into W Invest <laughs> is because my mum has she always handed the hand the finances over to my dad, um, and very happily so. There was nothing sinister about it. She just didn't want, felt she had enough things to deal with and didn't want to uh, deal with those. But then he got unwell, and she found she didn't even know the passwords yeah. to log in mm. to see what her investments were. It's just such an all-too-common scenario, yeah. really, yeah. isn't it? It's such a generational thing where women just hand over all, you know, the reins to the husband. But that is definitely shifting. It's an exciting time now to see that women are entering relationships or marriages and it's on an equal playing field. And that that's going to change things for, for my daughters. You know what's funny? My mum recently has just started um, really taking over the reins in terms of the finances. So my dad now runs the business accounts and then mum has now become a semi-day trader as well. <laughs> now, speaking Very of, cool. yeah, it's yeah. really cool. But I mean, she's in her what, you know, she's in her late 60s, early 70s. So it's a real kind of transformation. Now, talking about shares though, I mean, what's your um, advice for women looking to kind of invest and diversify their portfolio? Yes, great question. Well, look, 
as with anything, once you've made a decision to do it, the most important thing is to have a plan and a strategy and to really have visibility about what you're spending and what you're saving, your income and expenses, really that balance of risk and return. So another way to look at that is to put all of your cards on the table and that's really putting what your income is and what your savings are and then really building a strategy of how to build wealth. So um, when you're looking at building wealth, uh, there's probably two main ways to do that, property and shares. And property really is out of the reach of um, many people, especially younger people. So when you fall back on the alternative, which is the share market, it is quite accessible. So um, many people don't think of it as being accessible, but for example, if you save $20 a week, after 25 weeks, you'll have $500, which is the minimum parcel you can invest. And if you do this every six months, save $20. And then when you get to $500, you invest. Um, at retirement age, you'll have a million-dollar share portfolio. Mm-hmm. I like the sound of that. So it's really just, yeah, visualising as little as $20 and then building a, a plan and having the discipline to um, really put your assets to work. Okay. Now, Lelda, as you said, some people don't have a lot of money to take too many risks. How do you work out what is too risky when it comes to investing? A very good question. And there are so many risks to consider. Um, one of the most important factors to consider is the risk of knowing the rules and following the rules. So a great example about this is social media. Everyone's using social media uh, to communicate about their favourite foods, Mm. uh, to favourite exercises, to favourite stocks and investments. Um, But first and foremost, it's really important to know that Uh, just like your friend is not licensed to give you any medication, uh, your friend is also not licensed to tell you what stocks to buy. So So not a a big fan of TikTok by the same (laughs) They're not really my friends. (laughs) That's right. They may not even be your friends. But um, it's an analogy I often give because if you were sick, you wouldn't just, um, you'd hope that you wouldn't just go on TikTok and um, <laughs> listen to somebody's advice how to get you better. Well, I don't know. Um, My mum uses Dr. Google quite often. Oh, yes, Dr. Google. I'm yes. sure there's a Dr. TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, the number of times that I've had gangrene, well. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Dr. Google, I think, is responsible for a lot of diagnoses. And even when it comes to finance as well, very much falls under that bracket of doing your own research. But I think it's important to use that analogy, like who do you trust? And ideally, and in particular in Australia, we've got regulations to keep people safe. So when it comes to risks, you want to firstly even ask people and listen to people that are licensed to give you that advice. Um, And when you're looking at social media or anything online, take it with a grain of salt, use it for inspiration, but also do your own research to protect you from those risks as well. But isn't one of the biggest problems the expense of going to a professional advisor, for instance? $5,000 is a lot of money. That's right. And so that comes back to, I suppose, the free, as we were saying, there are free resources from credible organisations. ASX, the Australian Stock Exchange, they have free resources that are very credible, ASIC, which is the corporate regulator, they have credible resources, Uh, Australian Shareholders Association. These are all organisations that are there to educate independently. And I think that's a really important thing for anyone to know that there is free information, but make sure you're looking at the right free information. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, And independent. Lelda, I want to know, just on a personal note, how rewarding is it when you see the transformation happen, when you see women changing in the in terms of their literacy and their empowerment with their finances and and particularly coming from your non-for-profit background you know you've been giving genuine and fair advice and you're seeing the transformation of women or generations of women when they get it right yeah absolutely look for me the word that you really use that resonates is empowerment i think this is a process of empowerment And I think the empowerment is across the board. It's 
we we can talk about finance as the example, but in the same way that you would empower yourself by perhaps having a better diet or empower yourself by reading more and having a, a broader perspective. I think for me, it's very much this. what I enjoy is taking women through or anyone through the process of empowering themselves and um, the, the very first step is really just saying, deciding, I want to make a difference. I want to be better. I want to, whether it's be stronger physically or uh, be stronger financially, I'm going to commit to learning more and doing more so that I can get more out of life. And that is a process of empowerment that at every stage, I think, has its rewards. Mm. And of course, when it comes to finance, watching, taking control of your money, and knowing that you have that visibility over where you are now and where you're going is an incredibly rewarding process to be a part of. And, and one I would really recommend for, for all women and all people. Now, speaking of empowerment, uh, what are some good areas for women to invest in, like managed funds, ETFs, and I guess if you want to join the boys on the golf course, maybe crypto or not, not crypto. crypto. Don't do crypto. <laughs> That's not for not for the women. Crypto is totally the the conversation that I hear about as well. I, I was shocked to even hear it on the radio someone advertising um, crypto on a mainstream radio station. Oh. <laughs> oh, so it is to- it is very much moving into the mainstream. But look, when you look at asset classes. There are many of them, as I mentioned too earlier as well, being um, stocks and also property. Mm. Um, You mentioned managed funds or exchange traded funds, which are ETFs. These Mm. are popular because they Mm. offer a simple approach to investing and they also allow you to diversify. So, for example, if you have an account in Australia where you can buy uh, shares, but you like stocks, you may be using uh, Facebook or you may be watching Netflix and they're or maybe buying from Amazon and think, I want to buy these companies that I'm also using, Mm. then you can invest in Australia through buying, for example, an ETF, so an exchange-traded fund on the Australian Stock Exchange that will give you exposure to these US stocks that you're using in your day-to-day life. So that's a... I suppose, different asset classes, how they can assist you to diversify. Mm. And then, of course, there's the option of just sticking with stock picking. So this is actually what I like the most because um, it makes me feel (laughs) like I'm the owner of a real company and making a real difference in the world. So. Yeah, but it see, also it also makes you feel like you've got a bit more control over what you're investing in as well, because I think ETFs, I guess, because you've got such a diversified portfolio. I mean, it basically comes in kind of like a package, but mm. at least with stocks, you can kind of pick and choose what you want. Like maybe one week you might want to buy Flight Center when, you know, <laughs> travel has tanked. You know? Yeah, but see, I'm I'm one of those people that likes to forecast trends. Yeah, mm. I'm a former weather presenter. Oh, yes. Right. Oh, so, you know, apply the same rule to, to companies. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll see something on Netflix and, I, you know, and I'll be like, oh, my God, that's so true. Um, nobody else is onto this yeah. yet. And then I'm like, oh, I want to, you know, maybe throw a little bit of money behind that company. Not a lot of money. I don't have money to throw around. But, mm. you know, or if I see something on um, on Instagram, I'm like, that's going to take off. I like to think that I predict trends before they happen. Oh, see, my okay. partner's very much into buying very exotic <laughs> stocks. So at the moment, his new fascination is buying stocks in infrastructure for um, car, like for electric cars. Yes. Okay, yeah. good idea. Yeah, yeah. lithium is going to take off with the EVs. Yeah. Very exciting. Remember, remember, this is not professional advice, <laughs> as I, I know Laura is going to tell us at any moment. This is women <laughs> gas bagging. Exactly. <laughs> See, we're not talking about debt now, Elder. Mm. You'd be proud. <laughs> but... Women are talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, it may not be professional advice, but it is great to hear everyone's personal experience and hear how these companies are um, really impacting your day-to-day life as well. I always, every time I go to Coles or Woolworths, I think to myself, these are companies I can invest in. Or when you pay mm. your electricity bills with AGL or Origin, you think to yourself, well, um, you know, I, I may be paying a bill, but if I'm a shareholder, I can also be benefiting from ah. uh, the company. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, my point. tips blow up, stand up paddle boards. I can tell oh. you they're taking off everywhere. I'm, I'm definitely into them. 
Well, they've been around for a while, Peter. Come <laughs> on, catch up. Could... I'm really big on mulberry silk pillowcases that are anti-acne. Oh, oh what, what are you guys investing in? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what is exciting, though? It doesn't matter what we're you know, keen on investing in. We're having the conversation yes. and we're actually having fun with it and we're getting excited about it. Mm. And and it's it's breaking that taboo. Um, you know, this is what is changing. This is changing the literacy. It's changing that feeling of being empowered. I'm stoked. Mind you, yeah. I did buy some shoes recently, so I am in a bit of debt. Maybe not. <laughs> Might need sell, to sell some shoes. Yeah. But you do sell shoes as well. That's so, right. So I do. You the buy sneaker shoes queen of you, the office. You so, don't even wear them and then you resell them so, for more money. Lelda, this is my little oh. I like to do this. I like to buy expensive sneakers and then after that sit on them and then sell them. Not literally. Not not literally. (laughs) But I'll sit on them for maybe about six months and then I'll sell them at a premium. So, yeah. Well, that is investing. That would be what we say is investing in a niche asset class. Mm, Very niche. (laughs) There are these niche asset classes and, Mm. and sometimes people ask me, what do I think about those? And Generally, you would also say to a person that um, any investment that you understand intimately is a good investment for you. So my dad absolutely loves vintage cars um, and has a great ability to buy a cheap one and then sell it for more than what he paid for it. Excellent. But I wouldn't even go near (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't tell you the first thing about them. So, you know, we're not talking about the old, you know, Toyota Corolla that my neighbor's trying to sell that <laughs> from no, the 80s. Car sales. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> different type of vintage. <laughs> well, yeah, who knows? They may know their Toyota Corollas very well <laughs> in an expert way. But as sneakers as well, I know there are lots of people around the world that love sneakers and there are collectible sneakers and yep. signed yep. sneakers. So it's true. Um, I think it's great to when you start to open your mind to the fact that um, investment is so relevant to our day-to-day lives and impacts all of us and is a part of us, mm. then you start asking yourself, well, how can I actively participate mm. in this and and how can the investments benefit me, not just me benefiting the investments? Yeah. That's right. And I love that you've just introduced us to the idea of niche asset class, you know, because it is about using some creativity. And I'm a firm believer that if you're passionate about something and if you enjoy it, then you will be successful. And like you said, you know, if you've done your homework on it, you've done your research, then it's usually a fairly good investment. So, yeah, it speaks for itself there. Yeah. Cool. Now, Peter, you've got one final question, haven't yep. you? Yep. It's a question we always ask. So what's the best money advice you've ever been given? I have so much money <laughs> advice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you, you've you, got to pick you, the best. The best. Um, I, I would have to say just start. Like okay. start and take control. But I can go on and give you way more than that. The reason I say just start is because I think you know, because we're talking today about financial literacy, it can be really easy if people don't get something to live in ignorance and go, Mm. well, I've survived so long without knowing this, why should I know it now? Mm. And I think to, to just start that journey of embracing knowledge is an important one. But there are so many other golden uh, rules. I know our former ASA CEO would always say, think long-term, don't fiddle, and don't think that you can be smarter than the rest of the market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And I be like humble. that one because yeah, yeah. emotions can, or when it comes to investment, you always may think that you know more or that you're going to beat <laughs> the market or when mm. everything's going down. Your like I just said start. basically earlier, yeah. yeah, I like to think I know what's going to happen in the trends. So, yeah, that's that's actually pretty good, Great good advice. advice. Well, arrogance and finances don't go hand in hand. Funny that. <laughs> I want to just say as well really quickly that what you've said to me is really similar to, you know, that idea of, those smoking campaigns. When you're trying to sell something to someone, these days, unfortunately, we're just living too much in the moment and what's going to happen to me today if I do this? And the smoking campaigns were only successful when they were showing you what are you going to look like down the track if you keep smoking today. Mm. If we apply that same theory to finances, what are you going to look like down the track if you haven't got your finances organised? You're going to be one of those 55 plus 
class women that's homeless. Mm. That's what we need to be doing. Yeah, that's the warning. Lelda, I want to just say it's been brilliant speaking with you today. And, and for anyone who wants to know more about the Australian Shareholders Association, you can check that out at the website, australiansharehold.com.au. We love your advice today. I know you've got so much more, so we ho- hopefully we'll chat to you down the track. I'm sure we will. It's been such a pleasure and thank you for the great work that you're doing in the community as well. I find it so impressive and inspiring and it's been a pleasure to speak with you today. Excellent. Thank you, Lelda. Thank you, Lelda. Thanks. Thank you. Well, that was absolutely great advice. Now, what's next? Time for an inspiring story, I'd say. And you've got a great one, Rosie. (laughs) Funny you say that, Peter. (laughs) I have a great one indeed. Mm. So, Baha Etmanen is the founder and editor of rescue.com.au, and that's rescue, R-E-S-C-U, described as an online destination that covers multiple platforms for the modern woman who is ready to be her own success story. And and Baha, you are your own success story. And you're also a a girlfriend of mine over many years now. We've got a lot in common. I feel like we've been um, in each other's orbit for a Gosh, a good 15 years, right? We certainly have. And that's right across business ideas, personal changes in our lives, motherhood. We've we've definitely walked a similar path over these years. Now, I want to know, let's dive straight in. You've you've certainly had your own success story. So let's just talk quickly about your platform, rescue.com.au. It's a collection of tips, tricks, courses, advice just about everything in terms of getting on with life today, particularly for women. Um, you've been going for a good 20 years on this path and um, and you basically say that you're just passing on what you've personally learned as a career woman, a divorced woman, a daughter, a mother. Would you say that's about right? Um, I created Rescue because what I felt was happening with the digital evolution is that there was a lot of chatter and when I ever kind of hit a roadblock in my life, I wanted expert advice. So what I decided to do was to collect a panel of, you know, the little black book of experts on the in the pillars of style, substance and success. And I also wrote a book a few years ago called Rescue Me, and it was a life makeover book. And one of the things that I talk about in my book is that, you know, no one needs rescuing, but everyone has different aspects of their life that needs to polish up. And one of the things that I talked about in my book is I have never met or interviewed a successful woman, a supermodel, uh, a pioneer that didn't have her financial wellness in check. And so one of the key pillars of a life lived well, a life more fabulous, as I like to call it in my book, is to have financial autonomy and financial security. And so when I publish on Rescue and um, when I do talks or when I host things, I always say, you know, the ultimate glow up is feeling in your power. Nothing Mm -hmm. happens if you're not at peace internally. And we all know that financial security and financial acumen is a hugely important pillar of anyone's success. Yeah, here at Really Simple Money, we're really agreeing with you there. And I must say, you've got an amazing list of experts on your site from Anthony Bell, the leading accountant, to uh, John McGrath, well known as a property agent, and a life strategist, a cosmetic surgeon, a relationship therapist, life coaches. It's a real team you've got going there. But let's talk about money. How How does Rescue Me actually talk about money? So on the site, um, success is the pillar where we talk about money. So we share advice, we share articles, we share resources, anything from, you know, mortgage calculators, debt repay calculators, but also um, advice on investment, advice on how to get into the stock market, what to do with your super, uh, how to build wealth and improve your assets. So, as I said, you know, I always rely on expert advice and um, Rose knows this about me that, you know, I've had astonishing highs in my life and like crippling lows. I nearly went bankrupt during the global financial crisis Mm -hmm. in my first business, a business called Brand Makers. I was importing 
36 different skincare, fragrance and beauty brands into Australia. I was distributed in over 3,000 points of retail. I didn't hedge my foreign currency. And during the financial crisis, I lost half a million dollars. Wow. In an, in three trades, in three movements of currency. And I got margin called by the bank. And I didn't have $500,000 cash to give them. Mm. So the only option that I had was to sell absolutely everything I owned. And that meant closing down the business. Otherwise, I was going to go bankrupt. So by the time I actually closed the business, paid out my contracts, sold everything that literally wasn't fixed, I was now $960,000 in debt in a matter of two weeks. I went from having you know, an incredibly successful, what I felt was secure life business to being on my knees. And Mm. the only thing that saved me from bankruptcy, and it was interesting because even the bank suggested that I go bankrupt because they just couldn't see how I was going to dig myself out of this. The only thing that I had was an investment property at Willamaloo Wharf, which I'd bought in my 20s. Um, When I was young, you know, I'm from an Iranian family. The mantra there is, you know, get educated, get on your own two feet, invest, invest. So when I was young, I started buying property and I had this one beautiful apartment in Woolloomooloo Wharf that was nearly paid off. So I had the opportunity to double mortgage that property to service my debts. Now, not everyone has that, Mm. but it was, you know, the the gift of having hustled earlier in my life and having had some security. And once I was able to double mortgage uh, Willamaloo, I knew exactly what I had to repay for the mortgage and I knew exactly what I had to earn to live on. And that number became my only, only goal. And so I was able to, you know, reimagine life. I was able to relaunch my career And that's when I launched Rescue because I owned the website and I had a database of subscribers and I transformed what was previously an online store for my skincare and cosmetic products into a purely digital platform. And all I had was my little black book of contacts. So I reached out to every expert, soothsayer, mentor (laughs) that I'd met along the way and I asked them if they'd be open to sharing their expertise and advice on my platform because they were the ones who saved me. They were the ones who rescued me. Oh, interesting. And so that's how Rescue was born. So can I ask, is the lesson there for ordinary women who may be listening right now to know exactly where you are financially? Because I heard you say that number really became what you live by. Um, And one of the great uh, pieces of advice is, of course, to understand your own financial position and where you are now, and then move on from there. Is is that the one overwhelming piece of advice you give? I absolutely think so. And interestingly, you know, my background is I have a BCom and I have an MBA, mm. and still I managed to stuff up in such a spectacular <laughs> way. And, you know, my brother is in the financial markets, my ex-husband, my first ex-husband, I've got two, was, um, you know, incredibly astute with money. And funnily enough, my first ex-husband's funds management manages my super now. But (laughs) I had so much, I had, you know, I had a lot of knowledge in the financial market, but still there was a part of me that really wasn't granular with the understanding of what was going on. And had I been granular and had I been super careful, instead of looking for growth, instead of having lifestyle, I would have really got familiar with where the potholes are and not hedging my finance, uh, my foreign ex- currency was a pothole. But on a smaller scale, I think that women and certainly the women I speak to and the women in my life, there is still this fear and this complacency I would go as far to say about being granular about their personal finances Mm. you know they might be in a relationship where you know their partner takes care of all those decisions or they may not understand you know the value of their assets they may not understand why they need to have their own assets you know as I said before I've been married and divorced twice and 
you know, I, I always say a man is not a financial plan. And <laughs> we say the exact same thing <laughs> ever. <laughs> Even I say that. Yeah, a man is not a plan. Hey, I want to know, I mean, as you've said, there really is um, – you know, it's that moment, nothing like a good divorce to make you reassess your values and, and take a good, hard, close look at your own personal situation, especially your personal finances. But it doesn't have to get to such um, an on-your-knees situation. I mean, there are so many women out there that have the opportunity to get things right before it goes pear-shaped. I mean, as Peter said, you know, for the ordinary women, not that I think there are any ordinary women out there. I mean, we've all got, yeah, yeah. we've all got, um, you know, but stories. extraordinary Extraordinarily <laughs> similar women. And Bahar, it's kind of like you've said, you know, we need to just get rid of the taboo and we need to start having more of a conversation about it at an earlier stage. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree. And, you know, just to clarify, both my divorces were like, crazily peaceful and both my ex-husbands are in my life and great friends and you know for my first ex-husband who is a phenomenally talented person in the financial markets I still get advice on investment he he's my go-to person on anything to do with stocks and shares um as I said, he manages my super account. Wow. Um, yeah. And yeah, he, I mean, he's really on speed dial for me on anything to do with financial um, acumen. Um, with my second husband, the father of Lily, mm-hmm. uh, we had a prenup. I had, uh, I was in a better financial position than him. And um, I suggested a prenup before we got married to simplify things. And I actually always recommend this to, to friends and family. I say, you know what? Prenup is an incredible opportunity to take stock of your own financial situation, but also to have those really uncomfortable conversations about yes. money with your partner. And I think that's that gave me the opportunity to really uh, discuss money and our financial goals with my second husband. And it also made the exit really clean and comfortable. And again, it opened the pathway for us to have a beautiful relationship now, which, you know, I really treasure. But yes, I think that we need to strip back the taboo. I think we need to have conversations. I have conversations about money with my friends, my inner circle of friendship. We talk about assets. We talk about investments. We talk about our financial weaknesses. Uh, we really talk about it. And and it was a new thing for me. It was um, you know, a few, a few years ago, again, with the changes in um, the financial markets and COVID and everything, I found myself again in a really tight position financially and again, really at the brink of being on my knees. And it wasn't until I spoke to my closest friends and and stripped back that taboo and mm. the shame around, you know, where you're at financially that I was able to Put aside the stress and go, okay, what are what are the basics? One foot in front of the other. Think about what you have. How can you make the most out of the assets that you do have? Where can you earn extra money? How can I pivot my business? And I did. I, I actually pivoted my business last year to a new branch for Rescue, which is the Ageless by Rescue podcast and magazine. And that was from, you know, necessity and also understanding that the business that I'd built for rescue was an aging business and it Mm. wasn't performing in the way that it used to. So I needed to take responsibility for my future and make the changes. So that means basically, Baha, you're talking to a demographic that is concerned about retirement and superannuation and making sure they have a comfortable retirement. Would that be right? And, And what does rescue offer that 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 question oh definitely i look i speak to 25 year olds who are concerned about their future you know the the job market has changed so much um that you know permanent employment is is uh really hard to come by a lot of people work in the gig economy a lot of people have multiple talents or skills that they trade a lot of people are freelancing these days so I speak to a lot of young women who are now becoming much more interested than perhaps we were when, you know, when we started our careers, um, there was super, there was, uh, you know, maybe your company gave you shares, you had a longer view and you felt more confident that, you know, if you did the work 
and you stayed long enough, you would have a nest egg, you would have some savings, you would uh, have some investments. But, um, you know, getting into the housing market is difficult for them. Understanding Mm. their super is difficult for them. So what I try to do on rescue is share as much expert information. It's not my advice. I'm not an expert in this. So I always ask and invite experts to speak to their point of view on the different aspects of financial wellness. And the first thing that I always say is, you know, know your financial position. And the second thing is get the advice uh, from professionals because your money, you know, so many people spend so much uh, time getting advice on their skin or their body or fitness or nutrition but why not money? Why mm-hmm. don't we have experts in money? Well, it's funny you say that, Baha, because I'm wondering who do you speak to in terms of advice for your financial situation? I'm quite certain you'd have somebody up your sleeve other than the ex-husbands <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> who are obviously I very do, good at what they do, but you've also you know, clearly had your your goals all set and somebody in your corner giving you advice along the way. Yeah, I seek out experts to give me advice. You know, I lean into conversations where someone is making an investment, but I have two big mentors um, financially. So one is Anthony Bell, who you mentioned. He, you know, helped me restructure my company and set them up correctly. Uh, He was really adamant that a business that is not set up correctly is doomed to fail. Mm. And you need to always set up your business as though you've had an incredible offer to exit the business. So the way that he set up uh, the entities that I run are really professionally done. And yes, it was expensive to do so, I guess. But, you know, he was really adamant that I needed to trademark things. I need to set up the correct structures. I needed to make sure that the tax structure was correct, that everything was, you know, evidence-based, sound, um, secure. So Anthony uh, Bell is an an, an incredible guide. And there's so much content on the rescue site that Anthony's written for us. And it's all gold. It's Mm. absolute gold. And the second person who's been a mentor to me, since my early 20s, is John McGrath. And John, I worked for in my early 20s um, and uh, in the marketing, in his marketing team when McGrath was just, you know, a a smaller one, you know, boutique real estate company. And he's gone on to be a mentor and and, and very much a household name as well. He's, he is, yeah. and he is just so wise. Again, there's there's so much content on Rescue from John, and, it again, it's all gold. But, you know, when I have bought property in the past, I've, I've asked for his opinion, and I have a funny story because the house I'm living in at the moment is I love my home, but I bought it about seven years ago, and I had uh, the – it was tenanted at the time and it was almost derelict. And I asked the real estate agent if I could bring a friend to have a look at it. And she said, look, we're going to have five minutes only in the property, <laughs> but bring your friend. So I know um, what you're yeah, about to do. I can guess too. <laughs> so, so John turns up, you know, uh, he pulls up, he has someone driving him, he pulls up in a Mercedes, <sighs> runs up the stairs. And um, my real estate agent, who's also, um, she was wonderful, Sally Hampshire, as she go, you know, John and Sally knew each other. They exchanged hugs and kisses. <laughs> and I could see she was like, wow, she's got a friend. She's, that's yeah, a yeah. good dial of That's not just <laughs> any friend. Like, that would be jaw dropping. What yeah. a moment. I love that story. Hey, I've just got one more question. I know you're a busy lady, but um, Apparently, you've got this piece of advice um, that you've been given, and it is that uh, anything that costs you less than what you can earn in an hour can and should be outsourced so that you can focus on your own area of excellence and focus on tasks that generate the higher dollar productive value. That's a pretty cool piece of advice. Okay, so I have a life and business coach that I've worked with who I actually met through John McGrath, um, Dr. Fred Gross, and he's based half in Phoenix, half in Christchurch. He's also in my book, um, Rescue Me, which you can find. But Dr. Fred teaches this really simple uh, philosophy around dollar productive time, and he says you should put a dollar value against your time and anything that is less than that you should outsource. So 
He recommends that if you're in business, you get a bookkeeper, you get an accountant. Um, if you know, if you can earn more than $35 an hour, get a cleaner to clean your home. Anything that is going to take up your time that you can outsource, it's well worth outsourcing so that you can go on to be more dollar productive per hour and use your time. And I think the lesson here is a lot of women undervalue mm. their value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they don't put a dollar value to the opportunity cost of running around doing things that can be outsourced mm. or they should say no to. But I'm, I'm going to throw in as well, you know, not only do you need to be motivated to use that time wisely, you know, stop with the procrastinating, but you've also got to get rid of that fear factor around it that, you know, to know your worth, but also to just go, okay, I'm going to do this and and just to be fierce about it and let go of, of any sort of old stereotypes or, you know, from the past. Now, Baha, I want to know one piece of final advice from you. You're top tip number one one of the things that I hear a lot is that people are so excited by lifestyle and you know they go into these relationships and or you know they're single and they want to spend all of their money going to the right restaurant carrying the right handbag (laughs) and they're so impressed if they're dating someone who throws a few handbags or shoes their way and I would say I would urge 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 women to remember that you cannot go to sleep under the roof of a Chanel handbag. You cannot, um, you know, hawk um, lunches yes. at Mimi's. If you are not building together, if you are not building assets and if you are, if your time in that relationship is not valued, don't be fooled by the trinkets and baubles. A man that's giving you handbags is not investing in you. Mm. Okay, so what handbag do you have? <laughs> I have every handbag. I have the most, and I bought them all myself. Exactly. Okay, that's well the done. difference. That's a, that that's is a, the difference. You know, Good reply. I'm famously known for throwing a, a stack of designer trinkets and baubles that an ex-boyfriend once gave me. I put it in the Vinnie's bin because it was my, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a protest of we weren't building together. You know, that's not an investment in our potential in in a life. Don't get fooled by the trinkets and baubles. You'll be down at the flea markets in Bondi hocking your frog. <laughs> She's you know, right. The minute you break up, it's, don't be fooled. Build exactly. a, Build your own life. So we're gonna. I'm gonna take your advice. I'm going to. <laughs> I'm gonna hire a cleaner. And, and I have to say, I feel like I've been rescued today, Baha. Excellent. Yeah. Yes. No Great doubt. Advice. I, I. You've got things that you need to move on and do with your time. Your time is so valuable, and we're so grateful today that you've shared your time with us. I hope you feel like it's been worthwhile. I know that our listeners certainly will do. Right. This is my favorite time of the week. This is where I become bold and I embrace my money. Jen, I feel like I'm getting richer just talking to you. Genevieve Frost, money expert from Insignia Financial, formerly known as IOOF. And it's our regular spot named after Jen's own podcast, The Reality Check. How are you going, Jen? Hello, Rosie. It's so wonderful to be back chatting to you again today. Well, this week's topic is, it's a good one. It's fascinating. It in fact. Putting it bluntly, without this advice you're about to share with us all, we're all pretty much screwed. So, you know, no pressure. <laughs> How do we make money? More money. Oh, the money. Oh, um, look, absolutely money. right, Rosie. Uh, at the end of the day, we all want more of it. I think that's uh, sort of undeniable. It doesn't matter how much we've got, we want more. And I think as you and I said before, the thing we need to be aware of is there are as many people who are very, very wealthy and don't have money as there are people who have very low incomes. So getting more money isn't always the trick. But today we want to talk about this. How do we make more money? And for most of us, it comes through salary. You know, for most of us, it comes through the day-to-day work that we do. But there's so much more than that now. You know, this is the era of the side hustle. This is the era of getting creative, selling stuff, saving, making making things. And it's also, for me, obviously about investing, you know, making really smart choices with what you do with that money perhaps sitting in a bank account. How 
empowering is that? And actually, how sexy is that to be a chick and to be an investor in your own right? Like, honestly, I always thought that was just something that that blokes had up their sleeve that was you know, beyond my worth. I, I hate to confess that, but that's just how I was raised through no fault of my mom or, or, you know, my education. I just, it has been that way. And like you said, our main income has traditionally been through our salary, but that is, that is shifting and changing. I am of the opinion that we don't just have one income anymore. We don't have just one, one career path, you know, we're diversifying, we're finding a balance between various passions and we're, you know, we're making it work in terms of what we're really passionate about. So let's talk about how we can make more money in various ways. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a really important point, Rosie. You know, if I think of my mum, you know, she still lived in a generation where you you trained, whether that was university or a trade or whatever it was, and you picked a career and you likely stayed in that career for life. You know, mum's... School teacher, nurse. Right, yeah. My, my beautiful mum is a school teacher, well, was a school was teacher. Nine. There you go. There yeah. you go. And a school teacher for life. And my dad was actually very inspirational quite outside of, I guess, his era in that dad completely changed his career, not once but twice in his lifetime. And you know, and that was quite out of scope. We then take it to us, Rosie, our age, we perhaps at, at the university, at the studying, we still thought that we were training for one career where in fact the actuality has been really different. Now mm-hmm. let's go to the kids today. Our kids, Rosie, kids that are in, you know, finishing school as we speak, they don't even think I'm going to have one career. They know they're not. They know that the limitless opportunities ahead of them are quite broad. So I think whatever age you are listening today, that's the headspace to get in. What else is out there that I could try my hat at making a little bit of extra coin? And let's even be honest, some of the careers that our kids are going to be doing probably haven't even been invented yet. So, you know, to to start thinking what's my one vocation going to be, just eradicate that thought right now. Yeah. And, okay, let's, let's start having some fun with it. So you mentioned a side hustle. Let's, oh, man, I am super proud. Bring it back, back to my mum. Being a school teacher for life, she got herself a side hustle probably about 20 years ago now and just had a little Airbnb-style holiday rental, which is now in her retirement, that's her main source of income. What a woman. Oh, what a legend. And, look, that is, I guess, a great place to start, Rosie, because the most favoured Australian side hustle is the investment property. You know, that is hands down Australians love real estate. We love it. You know, if you look at countries like France, for example, particularly main cities like Paris where almost no one owns property, you rent. That's just what you do. And there's really no correlation in that society as to your net worth being how much property you own. But here in Australia, it is massive. We love houses and just look at the house price right now and that really sort of correlates with that. Yeah, I think these mortgage uh, banks are just having an absolute field day <laughs> mentality that's that's so Aussie. Yeah, it really it is. Have to be that way. I mean, I did hear that something like 80% of, of the Aussie population aren't going to be able to pay off their mortgage in a lifetime which is yep. scary, you know. So yep. we do ask that question, but that's a whole other story. Let's let's do that. Yes. Yeah, we'll do that another. This is exactly this is side hustles, and and I think let's start at the beginning. The one you mentioned with your mum. There is fantastic opportunity where it's right for you, where you've got the money to do it, to make money out of additional properties. So whether that's a rental income, i.e., I own another property and and I have a permanent tenant in it, so I'm receiving a set rental income for a year, or in fact holiday properties. Now this is an interesting one because we've just lived through two and going into our third pandemic years, and the old Airbnb market certainly fell apart a little bit. So it is a risk. And like all things, they come with risks. So owning that property and not getting the rental income Mm. needs to be considered. You need to know you can afford to pay that debt off, even if it's not being rented out. So that's an important one. So let's broaden these side hustles, Rosie. And I think the thing that I love the most about the world we exist in today is I think there is absolutely the space for everyone to stop and say, what do I love? What What is something I am super, super passionate about? So, Rosie, it will come as no surprise to you and my beautiful listeners who who perhaps have listened to my croaky dulcet tones for a few episodes now. (laughs) I love to speak and I love to speak about finance. So, 
you know, launching my podcast has just been the most beautiful joy for me because I love doing it. So I feel so utterly privileged every day to speak to people about what I love. So I would appeal to our audience today, if you're listening in, what is it that you love and is there capacity to perhaps make a little bit of extra cash in it? So perhaps one of my girlfriends loves sewing and she's amazing at it and she's making these beautiful things and it's only just occurred to her that she could actually sell these and she can because there's a marketplace out there. Etsy is just phenomenal for selling beautiful homemade homemade things. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. You know, I'm trying to teach my kids around uh, about this idea and uh, last week my eight-year-old daughter went and collected a whole bunch of stones from the beach uh, and then she came back and she decided she wanted to set up a rock shop, you know, like a lemonade stall. Yes. So essentially she was selling rocks that cost her nothing to collect <laughs> for, for $2 each out of our driveway. Bless her, you know. Good on her. Girl's got entrepreneurial spirit. Maybe she needs a better idea for the long term, but it is about just having some fun with it and starting from a young age. And Rosie, it actually brings on to the next one. So we live in such a consumerism world. There's no doubting that uh, places like Kmart, for example, where you can just get everything so cheaply and really nice stuff. We live in in a really materialistic world now where, uh, you know, perhaps even only 10 years ago, something breaks, I would look for something secondhand where now I can go out and just buy another one so cheaply. And I would really appeal you know, I hope you don't mind me saying this, Rosie, but both from an environmental perspective and and a financial perspective, I love buy, swap and sell sites. I, there's such a community on Facebook and on websites and you can make a lot of money instead of just sitting on those extra beautiful pairs of shoes, the dresses that we accidentally grew out of and it's been sitting in our wardrobe for three years hoping we might just lose an extra kg or two, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, walk around your house and identify things that you don't need anymore. Can you sell them? It's genius. And and it has been working for me, I've got to confess, during COVID, it has been one of those things that I've found really enjoyable. It's like, ooh, check this one out. It's a little bit, you know, going back to the castle. But it is, it's an Aussie thing and you can have some fun with that, really think outside the square. I mean, I know that another thing that um, a friend of a friend did, but you know those rubbish throwout days? Yeah, yeah. We are we are pretty quick to throw out things that we don't love anymore or it's got a scratch on it. So he drove around with a, a pickup truck or a ute and, and he used to just pick up all of these bits and pieces that people were throwing away and he'd chuck it on eBay and, and Facebook Marketplace and he made an absolute killing yeah it's so clever yeah absolutely someone in our neighborhood Rosie last year um did it with books there was a phenomenal amount of people throwing out books in COVID and I'm a sucker for a book so I find that very sad but you know this guy just collected all of these books and you know set up a little stall just for a silver coin each for the books and it was an absolute bargain because there were some cracking novels there <laughs> but you know a really cute way of just making some money and you mentioned kids Rosie you know my girls love that sort of thing when they have outgrown toys and in turn what they want is the next toy oh yeah and instead of just buying it for them, you can make some money and teach them a really important money habit at the same time, which is you want that Harry Potter Lego set. You don't use these Sylvanian families anymore. Why don't we put together a little stall and you can sell them? Or why don't we list them online and you can sell them? There it is. That's a, that's a brilliant tip. Now, I do want to get back to just quickly, if you are looking at how you can make more money within your main vocation, your main job, what are some of the things that we can do to increase our earning power within our jobs? Oh God, million dollar question, Rosie. This is this is a massive one. And I think this podcast is designed for women. So I'm, I'm going to call that out big time. I think women aren't very good at doing this. You know, we aren't like, I, I kind of don't know how to hide that. Men are really quite capable of going, I'm worth more. And this is why. And I think you should pay me more. Women tend to be seen as aggressive when we do that and uh, I, I cringe at the thought of it, yep. I think we just don't find it an easy conversation to have and I think first and foremost, let's, for me, some of these sorts of things, I'm, I'm obviously a clearly emotionally driven person. I am just all about the feels and... <laughs> 
we're really surprised no, by that. But this is money, right? And this is the things. you got to take the emotion out of the money sometimes. Mm. So first and foremost, if you are going in to ask for a pay rise, you've got to do this right and you've got to do it with facts. You know, you can't go in, no no employer, particularly in a challenging environment like we're in, no employer is going to go, oh, baby, you, you know, you want, <laughs> you want some extra money. I'll, gi- I'll give you a little extra money because yeah, I, like, I, I like you. Feel, I just feel that I've been working hard. Yeah, I just feel like I really want a little bit of extra money, so I would feel really good if you baby. You know, (laughs) we're joking, but I am serious about this. I think it's fundamentally important that you go in incredibly well prepared and with a a good bank of facts to back up your conversation. You know, what have you been doing? Where do you want to go? What's the next step? What can you bring to this company? And also understand that it may not be immediate. Mm. Work with your management, work with your business at a plan though. I think every business, no matter what industry you're in, you have the right to have a conversation about your future. So if the answer is I can't give you a pay rise today, what do I need to do to get one? Love it. Yeah. Yep. So setting timeframes around that if it's not immediate. That's really sage advice, Jen. So what about other things like, you know, do you recommend doing salary sacrifice? You know, salary sacrifice, that takes us back to obviously our beautiful superannuation beast, my my favourite baby. And my baby. And, and look, there certainly are all sorts of different things that we can do, I guess, to take advantage of, of really the tax position of certain things. So there's no doubt that salary sacrifice, and let, let's take it back a step. I hate taking for granted that people know these things. So salary sacrifice is where your employer takes money from your salary and puts it straight into superannuation. And that is that is before it comes anywhere near you and in turn taking advantage of the of the lower superannuation tax rate. And so that can be a really smart way for multiple reasons. You've got a tax advantage. But also do you remember, Rosie, I've spoken about this automation thing before. Yeah. Salary sacrifice, it's not even hitting your account. It's going straight out the other door. Yeah, so you're not even looking at it. So I think that's where the the phrase the no brainer comes from. Yeah, right. you just don't even have to think about it. It just yep. happens. Yep. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly right. And and so I want to correlate s- salary sacrifice particularly to pay rises. You know, I think when we get pay rises, when we perhaps get a windfall, and whether that's in a bonus from from our employer or perhaps it's a, a windfall from somewhere else, maybe it's an inheritance or, I don't know, maybe it is um, winning winning on a scratchy or, I don't know, what, whatever it might be, but you come into a sum of money, it's so, so important to think about what you're doing with that sum of money. And, and again, I want to take this back to a lesson I give my kids. So we've just had Christmas here. Um, we've got a lot of overseas family. So my kids often get money at Christmas and their reaction is I want to go spend, spend, spend. And I'm desperately trying to teach them. I lay out the money and I ask them to put it into groups. It's the old bucket strategy. Millions of us who talk about finance talk about this one, but I ask them to put it into buckets. We've got a little bit that we're going to put into savings. We've got a little bit that's the instant gratification. We're going to go and burn that at House of Tajay today and we're going <laughs> to get some more plastic fantastic that you don't need. And then a little bit, a little bit extra put aside for the next time you want something, you know, that's the savings pot. That's the emergency fund for the kids, you know, so I would appeal to the audience, pay rises, windfalls. Perhaps it is that you've just gone out and and made a ton of extra money selling some of your, you know, your beautiful dresses or old handbags that you're not using. The next most important bit, Rosie, is what are we doing with that money? So that's changing the way we reward ourselves with our money, right? You know, instead of doing that instant gratification, as you said, you know, the ultimate reward is to put it somewhere where it's going to gain value. So it's about shifting your headspace, isn't it? But Rosie, I want you to do both because this is the problem. And, and, Perhaps I hope that this is a big thing that I'm trying to say to everyone. This is the problem. People think that when a money expert like me, you know, someone's coming in, blah, 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 you're just going to tell me I can't spend any money and I can't have any fun. No, I want you to have fun and I want you to spend money on things. I like things. I like shiny things. I like pretty things and I want to spend money. I want to go to concerts and I want to go out to nice restaurants, but I have to learn to divide that pool of money. So where I'm going out and buying a pretty new dress, 
do I also have the equivalent or at least some money to pay off my credit card debt or to put into my emergency pool or a little bit extra to put into superannuation this month or or whatever it is that's yours. So do not sacrifice the happy joy things because that is life. We want to live our life. We just need to figure out how to do both. And sometimes that can be a little push and pull. Yes, a little bit of a a disco dance there to work out the balance. I love it. I do desperately want to ask you more about your advice on investment, but I'm going to leave that as the little carrot here. I'm going to dangle that one and I'm going to say that that's a big topic. I personally am desperate to know more around property investment versus maybe share portfolios or long versus short-term investment. I think this is a big topic and I want to actually put that one in for next podcast. No doubt we've all got a lot to learn from that one. But for now, anyone who's listening who wants to get more more from Jen on anything specific, if you've got questions at home that you're just burning to ask, you can ask them via reallysimplemoney.com.au. Don't forget to check out the newsletter. Plenty of great tips just sitting there for you and the chance to win a month's worth of groceries. But Jen, thank you for joining us this week. Once again, it's just so much practical advice. That's what I love so much from you. And for everyone who's listening and supporting this campaign, we're going to make this happen. We're going to get our super on track for the benefit of all of us. It's going to happen. I'm really excited. And Jen, I can't wait to chat to you more next week as well. Thank you so much, Rosie. And thank you everyone for listening in and supporting us. As Rosie said, keep those questions coming through. I absolutely love talking to you and and, and really excited for the weeks to come. Woohoo! See you then. Bye. Bye.